1: Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
2: Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. We continue down the 25 years path with another episode of these historical look back this one a very very fond memory from Ravens history and a game a lot of people may have forgotten in all honesty because the team is not generally thought of all that well the 2009 Ravens despite the fact that they won a playoff game here to discuss that with me is Dirk Schwenk Dirk how you doing I'm doing great I first of all, thanks for doing this. This is great. And we've been in communication over this and a lot of other topics uh, over the last couple of years, Ravens
3: related. Uh, Can you uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you? Uh, So, I mean, i most, I do talk a lot of uh, football on Twitter. I mostly follow a lot of people. So I kind of, I've got other things that I talk about on Twitter, but um, yeah, they'll they'll find me on Twitter. I keep a a Ravens talk list that a lot of, uh, you know, the regulars are all on. So I kind of keep my eye on what's going on, and I follow film study on, on a regular basis and read the website and do all those things. Check the check, check the off, offensive line scores. It's great. Well, thanks for saying that. I need someone
2: once in a while to <laughs> plug that <laughs> offensive line scoring. I appreciate it. Still not up there this week, and we're recording this on, I, on I'm aware that night. it's not up there. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, but anyway, let's talk about this. Set this game up a little bit. Um, In terms of the 2009 season and the 2008, of course, the Ravens had had a big year, went to the AFC championship way ahead of schedule, frankly, for that team with a very young team uh, with Rice and Flacco playing very prominent roles. uh, Rice and Flacco moving into even more prominent roles in 2009 in their second years. Uh, The team had, had lost some games in a very disappointing fashion in early 2009 and were only five and six as they entered this matchup, either week 12 or week 13, but the 12th game of the season.
3: Yeah. And so what I, I remember, you know, I was, so I was at the game and I I didn't remember too much until I went back and started reviewing, you know, the game and some of the history of it. But what I remember from it was that it was, you know, just an intense game. This was the heart of the, I I guess the, what to me seems like the, you know, the second period, the the first Harbaugh, Harbaugh Flacco period, the heart of the most physical part of the Steelers rivalry. And it was, Polamalu on one side and Reed on the other and Ray Lewis was still there and uh, you know just uh, all of what seems to me uh, you know the classic period uh, like you know uh, of that era. Um, so great players all around super physical game it was a night game um, and I just remembered it I remember going into being super just feeling super intense feeling as though it was really one of the most important games of the season. And looking back to see that it was, you know, literally if Ravens win, they, they're going to tie their, with, with the Steelers. If they lose, they're going to be two games back. It's probably cost them their playoffs. So it was every bit of, you know, this classic matchup in a crucial game, night game at the stadium. Um, the thing, I, I told you the story earlier, but the thing that just kind of, Locked it in from my memory is that I remember screaming my head off, but I was also kicking the chair behind me um, (laughs) as I was as I was yelling in overtime. And then I broke it. I broke the chair right off the the, off the hinges. (laughs) And the guy that I was with was kind of horrified and worried that we were going to get kicked out. We did not. So. I, I did destroy some property, but we had a great time, and I was very happy to get the win.
2: That's, that's good to hear. I'm I'm sure the Ravens will not be getting back to you about this anytime soon. But uh, that's
3: limitations <laughs> yes. is run on my uh, destruction of property. I, I'm sure that's true.
2: Um, so uh, anyway, it's a it's a, a 2009. It's a Sunday night football game, I believe, not a Monday night, but it was a, it was definitely a night game. And uh, the Ravens start off, and and this is a typical kind of back-and-forth Steelers game. Great offensive line for the Ravens in 2009, and they were facing a a Steelers team that was without Ben Roethlisberger. In fact, Dennis Dixon was starting for the Steelers.
3: Yeah, so and what I remember from the game in, in real time was it felt, you know, without Roethlisberger, it felt like we should have just crushed this team which looking back at the relative rosters of all, you know, you know, there was no crushing the Steelers. This was a a very, very rugged you know, tested team. But I remember, you know, I'd never heard of Dixon. He was just some guy showed up, you know, and he was completing a lot of passes. The first first part of the game, it was just back and forth. We scored a touchdown. He came right back, scored a touchdown. It was never, it was close the whole way. I mean, it was within three or four points, I think the rest of the way until uh, the whole way, until the end of the game. So, I, was, I remember being pre- impressed with Dixon um, and thinking, you know, he really he handled, handled the game well. Um, he had some great runs in that game too, um, but I didn't know anything about him at the time. So I just felt like if he wasn't Roethlisberger, we should have crushed him. But, you know, he, he looked pretty good in this game, i got to say. Yeah I I felt a lot about the same
2: way this this offensive line really special and kind of kind of want to tie that into the very first big play of the game which was Willis McGahee's 2-yard touchdown run but that 2009 offensive line was something really special the middle of the offensive line you'd say boy if we could have those today it wouldn't even matter that we didn't have tackles because they had Grubbs at left guard they had Burke at center who was just he ruined my scoring system in terms of <laughs> making it hard for other centers <laughs> to match it over the years and and Marshall Yanda at uh, at right guard uh they had and he did start this game and not chester right i'm just going to confirm myself on that yes he did uh and then in in his first year michael Orr was a hell of a player and his career kind of ended up being a ski slope after that but at right tackle very effective player and at left tackle was the very effective jared gaither who a lot of people have forgotten was really a good football player before he decided not to he didn't want to play the game
3: Yeah. But I think for, I mean, I I didn't look back to see what their stats were, but I feel like that year was both for both of them was like a great year Mm -hmm. where they both played effectively and then just, you know, kind of fell off the map and, or was always having false starts over in the left. And um, yeah, I I don't, but yeah, they played, they played great. And actually got, because of the movie had just come out, you know, the left tackle movie had just come out. They got a lot of, uh, a lot of talk on the broadcast which was kind of fun. You don't usually see offensive linemen getting too much chatter. Yeah,
2: it's, uh, it's definitely true. So this McGahey play, everybody kind of remembers the play from that era, but they ran this little stretch play, usually the right side, but it could be left or right. They would bring in a sixth offensive lineman to start with, and then they'd bring in the special, a seventh offensive lineman. Both of those guys eligible. uh, Haloti Nada, uh would would be there. And some of the blocking – uh assignments he got were just the most unfair things you'll ever see
3: <laughs> so i so uh, you'll have to tell me about what who, who we got to block on that play i noticed that he came in and i was i, I remember being sort of nervous because uh, not it seems so valuable to me to be sticking out there on offense for you know one play but it, it was a great play and i love mcgay he, he was one of he, I, he was one of my favorite players from that era just because he was so I don't know he was so silky he was, it seemed, he didn't really seem like he was moving that fast all the time, but he would just avoid and step through and just make people miss and that was and this play was one of those things. it was, it was like a three or four yard run or whatever it is, but he just kind of like weaved his way in and stepped into the end zone and boom, we're up seven nothing it was great. Yeah. Great, great
2: vision. He knew just where to cut and, and then he knew just how to make holes from it. So it was almost like the way Flacco and Yanda ran the quarterback sneak as the years rolled on, that they just each knew the dance steps exactly in terms of Flacco knew where to put his foot first, his foot second, that he would always get two yards when he needed one kind of thing on these things. And Yanda always knew how to interact with that lineman that he was supposed to block. Uh, and, and it just always worked. And, and, and with Nada. Uh, you would also typically running this thing unbalanced or often running it unbalanced where, uh, you know, Gaither would be outside on one side. You had Gaither and Nada sometimes next to each other. And those two guys had tons of length, tons of power, and they were beating up whatever linebackers, safeties, cornerbacks mm-hmm. sometimes would be opposite them on the edge of the line of scrimmage there. and. and basically I don't think there was any team in the league who could line up heavy enough against that Ravens front to really, to really penetrate it frequently. And they, they, I I did a study at one point about just how much success they had when they brought in Nada and and, and got that done. I don't want to spend this
3: whole episode on it, but it's just one of my favorite things. (laughs) We'll just go back and have a whole episode on Nada because he's such a fabulous, uh, it was fun to see him going to the ring of honor. Although it it was, um, it felt so like, it's felt like such ancient history uh, this weekend, but, uh, but not was such a great player God he was fun yeah. to watch uh, he,
2: he was exactly that and I I, I I there's so much to say about him we we, we can't <laughs> we can't go down that rabbit hole uh, so you you mentioned it was a very much a back and forth game and and uh and the ravens uh you know had Billy Condiff as their kicker uh in that era and they they traded touchdowns uh to make it fourteen seven uh then they they got a, a Jeff Reed came in and kicked a a field goal to make it 14-10. Then they got the next score as well to go back up 17-14. The Ravens tied it. That game is – that drive is where I kind of want to pick it up because we saw one of the first great fourth down chances for Harbaugh to take. So with 331 and that left to go in this game, some people may remember this play. Some people won't. But they had fourth and five from their own 48-yard line. Uh, and with 3:31 to go, sorry, 46 yard line, and Ray Rice went in motion. Collinsworth was still doing the games back then. It seems like forever he's been doing these <laughs> these games on Sunday night. But Sam, Sam Cook and yeah. Collinsworth is there for since forever. Yeah. Well, the, the, the play itself, I mean, Collinsworth immediately identified it as zone defense and obviously so did Flacco and they knew they had to have a linebacker on Rice. And sure enough, he took advantage of that, that uh, uh, matchup. Uh, Flacco threw to Rice. Rice rambled 44 yards all the way down to the uh, nine yard line. Uh, as was wont to happen in the area. Actually, it looks like it was the 10-yard line. The Ravens could not get it in from there. <laughs> so they ended up kicking a field goal. The Steelers came back and uh, and got the ball, uh, actually gave the ball back to the Ravens. The Ravens had yet another chance for a long field goal from 56 yards to win it at the end of regulation. They missed that. The game goes to overtime. You, you guys, first of all, had you been to a number of overtime games at this point, Dirk?
3: <sighs> You know, I, I don't know. I often get the night games, and I feel like there's been a fair number of overtime games at night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't I don't know. I didn't go back to I didn't go back to study which of those games that I've been to had gone to overtime. All right. um, well, I, I was at the I feel like the, was the Titans' home playoff game that went to overtime we lost on a field goal I think that one we lost the end of regulation that was the playoff game they lost yeah. 20 to 17 yeah I was there and that sucked mm-hmm. yep <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not like, I was there too. It's I not. did not like that. I actually thought about doing that game. I'm like, I can't cover something. Yeah. That I can't. Like, we can't do something that we lost. That's that was terrible. I hated that game. Th- Thanks for picking a happy game. Everybody
2: <laughs> seems to want to pick a sad game, and and I don't know what. And talk about the character building and all that alone gets tiresome. You know. <laughs> yeah. Really, I I am uh, happy to have a happy game and and some happy remembrances to talk about it. This. Day.
3: Well, so one of the things. So another thing that really struck me about this game was. So this is – so, you know, you just went over Ray Rice's, you know, fourth down uh, mm-hmm. play here. Um, and this was Ray Rice's first year as a full-time starter. He, he was drafted, I guess, the year before, as Flacco was, and Harbaugh came in that year too. So it was like that trio came in. But, man, you know, Ray Rice in those first three or four years was electric. You know, he got the ball, and it's like his twitch and speed and burst, and he was strong. You know, it was he, he. was it was really fun to watch him in this game, um, and just be reminded of how great he was. I mean, that his whole, his whole end was tragic as far as the team goes, um, you know. But boy, was he a lot of fun. when <laughs> He yeah. was right. And I remember, I remember listening to. Uh, I guess it was probably Ozzy being interviewed, but maybe it was Eric De- De Costa in the 2018 year when they drafted him, and talking about how excited they were. I, I, they got in the second or the fourth round, or I, I think it was the fourth round, second yeah, two. But they were excited that he had gotten that far because, um, you know, he was just he was a monster in college, too. I don't know why he dropped that far, honestly.
2: I think there there were questions about his size and his speed, as there always are with with, you know, shorter backs like him. But he had great balance. And, you know, behind this Ravens offensive line, it was like the perfect marriage for him. And they, they I mean, obviously, the great receiving skills, I think people probably undervalued coming into the draft as well, because, I mean, he was a fantastic receiver. He was. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. But but the other thing was that that this year, this this Ravens offensive line, which went into England and kicked the crap out of the Patriots <laughs> in that shit. playoff game. They ran the ball 52 times. 24 for, points in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah, that, there you go. I mean, the defense certainly did its part in, in in getting all those turnovers, but they ran the ball fifty-two times and only passed it 10. Yeah. Flacco won a playoff game, going four for ten as a as a as a passer.
3: And crush and, and crushed them too. It wasn't even just yeah. a win, but I mean, yeah, they just crushed them. They just that first, because so Ray Rice, you know, to run that back, that in that playoff game, that Ray Rice took, I think it was the first play first of the play game. First play in the scrimmage. 78, 85, something like that. So 83. 80 yep. yar, 85 yard, I don't know what it was. I mean, the whole, <laughs> so he took it house <laughs> on the first play. It was so great. And it was like, oh, and it, you know, at least at least for me, I remember thinking about that moment. I'm like, oh, you know, like we might really, we might do this. We just went into Foxborough. Mm. We got seven points, you know, right off the go. Like we're just starting seven nothing. This is great. And then, they just tore it up, and Patriots had no answer for that for, yeah. for the run game, and that, it was fantastic.
2: Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to watch, and and it's it's even more fun after a game like that to kind of hear a lot of the local radio and them try and diagnose their own loss because they always want to blame it on their own players, and right. you know, these, like, these aren't football players;
3: they're not tough, you know. You just, yeah. <laughs> they're they're down everywhere, so it's it's, it's well, always funny. I grew up a Patriots fan, and I've, my brother is still up there. So, and ben <laughs> is a big Patriots fan, and so that was especially sweet. Uh, you know, so some of the later losses were especially bitter, but that that one was especially sweet. Uh, well, the, the Ravens very, very much
2: became the team that, that the Patriots did not want to face in the playoffs in that era. And, you know, they, they beat him in 09 there. They beat him, of course, in 12 in the AFC championship with the loss in the middle. It's two close losses, um, you know, and it was it was a uh, you know, the loss. in you know, I'm, I'm talking about in 11 to the AFC championship, obviously on the kind Evans game, but also the 2014 loss in the the. Precursor to the DeflateGate game, where they only yeah. lost 31 So, uh, yeah. you know, Patriots fans were very concerned about the Ravens when they come to town. They weren't concerned about really anybody else,
3: right. right? No, and I think I think rightfully so. And it was just because uh, in the trenches, Ravens were so physical. You know, they had enough skill players, but it, you know that much physicality takes out some of the advantages that the Patriots were getting with home field and with their schemes and their sort of play. You know, play by play, and Brady obviously has turned out to be pretty good. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I I never felt nervous with those playoff teams going into the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Was the was the kind of and was it kind of and Evans was the same? That was yeah, the same, same game. game. <sighs> it's three <laughs> plays apart or <laughs> two plays apart, I think. I've been so, meaning to go, back. I I still in the dirt conspiracy land. Patriots hating, mm-hmm. you know, person. It is not the real me, but is actually partly real me. I still think they doctored that kind of ball. (laughs) I have (laughs) no faith that that (laughs) ball was legitimate. That thing fluttered and like turned sideways. I I will Mm -hmm. never, I I cannot understand it. Kind of kind of ball when he kicked, it was a little weird that year. It seemed a little knuckly to be honest, but it wasn't, Mm -hmm. I've never seen a ball go like that in my entire life. So I'm sure it was the Patriots' dog the
2: Yeah. He, he had a big leg. I mean, a lot of people forget that, just how, just how uh, deep he got a lot of kickoffs that year. Now it's kind of automatic that you can force the other team to take the 25-yard line if you want. But back then it wasn't. And he, he had a high percentage of, of touchbacks, which was a, a, you know a positive thing. Yeah. Let's, let's go, let's okay. go back, back to the game again because we're going to go to overtime here. <laughs> and, and it was interesting because these offenses were just obviously slugging it out and not really able to move against these defenses very easily. Pittsburgh moved the ball 14 yards on their first drive of overtime. Uh, they punted away. Uh, the, the Ravens get the ball incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. And you know One of the things you're feared about is that the Ravens are going to be a little tired. They punt the ball back. Uh, Pittsburgh has the ball at the 45 there. So Ravens lost some significant field position in the exchange and they got a, a three yard run from men and all a two yard run from men all. And then Dennis Dixon uh, throws a pass that is intercepted by Paul Kruger at one of these players. I guess he, he really didn't see him moving underneath a slant pattern on the right side uh, reaches up, makes a clean catch of the ball. Just love to see those kind of hands from a defensive end runs it back 26 yards to the Pittsburgh 28. They're already in field goal range for for Cundiff at this point, but uh, that was the play of the game.
3: That, yeah, that was a huge play of the game. And, uh, you know, and for him just coming in and then, I mean, and that's all it took. And I, in those days, and again, this is like the what to me is the classic period. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was all about the defense. The pay, You know, it was like fun. Offense was, you know, it happened. It was one of those things you had to have. But it was, you know, like winning on a defensive play like that felt entirely right in that yeah. era um yeah. and yeah kruger coming in yeah, he was kind of a he was kind of an awkward guy as a as a mm-hmm. defensive lineman but, but Jarek johnson and kruger were sort of two pinch ends out there yeah so see him get that was was good and i'm sure i mean it probably did tremendous damage to dixon's career honestly that, that might have <laughs> been like the beginning of the end for him in, in, in steelers land uh, it was a uh,
2: Kruger I want to talk about a little bit because he a very interesting kind of a career there because we came in with the with the Ravens and they drafted in the second round. They expected him to jump on the field pretty much right away, but he wasn't quite good enough to crack the rotation of pass rushers with the Ravens at this time. And of course, Suggs was still there. You mentioned Jarrett Johnson. They had others as well. But but even as a pass rusher, he wasn't quite there yet. And for the first several weeks, and it might've been as many as about five, he wasn't even on the active roster every week because he didn't really play special teams and they didn't have enough of a, of a job for him on defense. For, to justify the roster spot, which is very unusual. But this was one of the first games where he got significant playing time. And to come up with a big play like this pretty much secured the rest of his time. Became a really good situational pass rusher for the next couple of years and then was a really excellent pass rusher in 2012 when the Ravens won the Super Bowl uh, before moving on.
3: Yeah. Well, he ended up with the Browns, I feel like, after that. He is did. That right?
2: He ended up with the Browns. They, they, they paid the money for the back end of his career that was not nearly as good. The Ravens yeah. kind of you know, sucked was, all the juice.
3: He got, he had definitely had the benefits, uh, you know, like, like a lot of people did. I mean, Ray Lewis did too, but of having nada and, and um, you know, some of just the chunks in, that were in the middle gave a lot more space. Yeah, I should uh, did this, uh, do a, do a shout out for my man, Kelly Gregg here, which was mm-hmm. definitely the sort of working man's hero of this defense, you know, it's, you know, six five nine five ten three hundred 10, 300 pounds or whatever he was, but just a, you know, just a lot of fun to have on the field, and just a thick little guy in there.
2: Yeah, very unusual player. He wouldn't. He, he definitely is not a typical nose tackle. If he were playing there today, he'd be very undersized for the position, and and uh, length would be a real issue for him. But uh, Kelly Gregg had a remarkably strange travel through in terms of he started as a situational pass rusher on a team that had Adams and Syracuse, who were two down run stoppers that were playing ahead of him, and then he ended up being this you know one dimensional run stopper who played a ton of snaps for the Tons Ravens' latest career.
3: And yeah. was very, very difficult to move. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, in some ways, he actually reminds me a little bit of Project Pat now. Yeah. You know, like, in size and scale, they're sort of similar players. I assume Kelly Gregg wasn't as fast as Pat as as Project Pat is. Yeah. But, um, but still, a really fun guy that's kind of root for in there. Um, uh, he, he, I, I enjoyed him on the team. And so he was another guy that sort of struck me as that I looked at this roster and looked who was playing was like, oh... This is, you know, these were great. These were good times to be a, a Ravens fan. They're so different than now, where you know it's, where i and actually, this is. I, I wanted to mention, you know, in terms of looking at this game, one of the things that really struck me watching this is this is this offensively, o- offensively and defensively, but most off, most offensively, is a was a completely different time in the NFL. So there was, I noted, there was one run. At the the Steelers got the ball back before the half, um, and they had one run where Dixon did sort of an a modern style. He came out of Oregon, so he was like the sort of that college style, you know, running that we're now doing mesh hands offs and option mm-hmm. plays and stuff. And they did they did that one time. They got 20, 20 plus yards on. He didn't pull it. If he if if Dixon had pulled it, he probably would have had forty yards wide open on the backside and. whoever the Steelers running back was, got 25 yards on his side. And Collinsworth was kind of chatted about it, like, oh, it's like the college thing. I asked them if they were going to try and run some of that stuff, but they said no. And they never did. That was the one time in that whole game. So, you know, Dixon came in as a college, Oregon college, you know, option handoff kind of guy. And they dropped him back, like, you know, Ben Roethlisberger the whole game. He did pretty, he was pretty effective, but it just... It was just striking to me that everybody – all of the runs were the sort of most basic, you know, off-tackle kind of runs. All the dropbacks were pretty much standard off-tackle. We The Ravens didn't do any of this sort of, um, you know, kind of spread offense that we did in the 2012 year. It was just kind of like, you know – i-formation 12 yards deep kind of thing it just seemed like a really radically different time in in football altogether Um, i I think there's a different way to put the same thing is that the the steelers
2: got the ball with a minute and 39 to go on their own 25 when's the last time you saw an nfl team against anybody even the best defense out there basically kneel out the half from that point and they ran the ball for three yards, ran the ball for minus two, ran the ball for 14, and ran the ball for one after they got the first down, and they
3: let the clock expire. The I, it, it, was, it was shock. I mean, honestly, I was okay. shocked. And the, and, the, and the announcers were like, "Of you know, of course, they got the first down so they can run out the clock. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you get first down so you can score a point. I mean, like, but, yeah, so that mentality, that notion that you would just kind of run the ball, you know, punt you know, play defense, which was, I mean, that was the entire Ravens model. So I don't know how I could be mm-hmm. shocked now to see it, The Steelers doing the same thing in that era, but it did seem like a completely different kind of football than right. what we're used to seeing now. You
2: know, you say there's a good game called the hidden game of football, which goes back to the time of Jim Thorpe and how the game then was basically about punting to maintain field position. And so the good punters were very valuable and then waiting for the other team to make a mistake and fumble. Right. And basically that, 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 the, the, you know, Jim Thorpe was involved in some game early on in, in not NFL history had been in, well, or if it was, it was very early. So it would have been in the, maybe the teens or so. And, uh, he, he basically had a 75 yard punt, I think in the game, which changed field position. The other team was never able to recumber. Eventually they fumbled on their side <laughs> of the field and they took it in and, and won the game seven to nothing. But, uh, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of mentality that it's all, always fine. It's, yeah, it's a two thousand Ravens mentality. I suppose is is the closest we've seen here.
3: I mean, it seemed nor- I know it seemed normal at the time. I mean, it was like yeah. punting and kicking field goals, and that's kind of you know we, we, that's what we did. But watching it now, it just seemed bizarre. It seemed yeah. completely different than what we do now. Yeah,
2: but well, this, this has been a lot of fun, Dirk. We really appreciate you going through this game. Obviously, you know the, the Ravens went on from here to the playoffs. The Steelers missed the playoffs, right? In two thousand nine.
3: Yeah, they 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 had nine and seven. They had a nine and seven record also, but didn't make it. Yeah. Uh,
2: Thanks again for doing this. This is is great stuff. And exactly what we're looking for, by the way, in terms of a topic. If you're out there, give me a DM on Twitter. Let me know what you'd like to do. Dirk,
3: tell people again, if uh, you want people to contact you on Twitter, you just prefer. If you want to find me on Twitter and you you get what you get, if you come find me on Twitter. But yeah, I I, I am at Dirk Schwenk, D-I-R-K-S-C-H-W-E-N-K on Twitter um, so I'm a lawyer in my regular life, but I'm also a musician. I got a band and I, you know, chat about stuff that I also care about aside from the Ravens on Twitter and, um, yeah, I'm available and happy to talk on whatever topic you might want to talk about. So, yeah, but this has been fun. It's been a real thrill. I, it's, um, I, I, we, we've had a good time talking about Raven stuff for years and it's nice to see you, you know, in, in virtual land and hopefully yeah. one day we'll see each other at
2: an actual game. That's uh, very much feel the same way. Thanks for coming on, Dirk, and we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.